If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we've been talking Wednesday nights all years about living uncommon. Starting in September, we we kind of just added something to that. I'm talking about living the Spirit-filled life. And we've talked about the gifts of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And, um, and tonight I'm going to continue... Uh, on this uh, being led by the Spirit, this Spirit-led life. Hallelujah. And uh, what a great time we had in the Word on Sunday. You know, I had <laughs> quite a few messages <laughs> messages from people, personal messages, emails, and saying, Pastor, I really appreciate your message. And I went home and I had to go forgive some people. <laughs> and so... Anyway, it's, amen. Praise the Lord when the Lord challenges us to grow. Amen. Romans chapter 8. I, I still need to get there. And I've got a lot to share tonight. And um, I believe the Word of God is, is the needful thing. You know, Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha and, and told told Mary, he said, and the one was complaining because the other one was serving and she was doing all the work and she came in and was complaining and Jesus said that Mary chose that needful thing. And uh, and being at Jesus' feet, well, who's Jesus? Jesus is the Word, right? He's the Word. And so the Word is always the needful thing, right? You know, you know Proverbs puts it this way. Proverbs says that wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting you know, get understanding, right? And in this wisdom is the, the principal thing. And the word of God is the wisdom of God. And it's the principal thing. And so I can look at my life and, and I can say, okay, where, how do I need to grow? What, what areas, what adjustments do I need to make? Because I, I've, I've, I've know, I know this, that God's never the problem. <laughs> you know, it's either, it's either I need to, I need to stand longer. I need, or, or I need to catch up to where he is. Or there's, there's a word I might, I've been needing to hear. There's something, there's wisdom is, is the principal thing. So, and, and so tonight I'm going to share some things from the word that I, I believe is going to strengthen us. And, um, and so let's, let's, let's get into this. Romans chapter eight, verse, let's see, verse, uh, 29. Romans 8, verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, this word predestinate here, um, there's, a, there's some different doctrines. You know, you've heard Calvinism, different uh, Baptists, different things. There's, there's things of, you know, once saved, always saved. And and because of those dynamics, they, they use one of these scriptures here because they use the word predestinate. And meaning God has predestinated, you know, some people to be saved and some people not to be saved. And that's not what this is saying. He's really talking about the believer and those that are being led by the spirit or the sons of God. And he's talking about those that he's called to be sons of God, which we know he wishes all men to be saved, Right. So that really throws the whole predestination thing out the window because we know that God wishes all men to be saved. It's not, he's not, he didn't predestinate some to be saved and some he didn't predestinate to be saved. This is all having to do with, with really humanity talking about those that are sons of God. And he's saying the desire, his desire is for people to be conformed to the image of his son. That, that's the desire of the father. Paul prayed in, in Galatians chapter 4, and he prayed and he says, I, I pray and I'm travailing in spirit until Christ be formed in you. So there was this, this purpose of the believer, and, and, and there's, this, there's this idea of that once we get born again, then that's where, that's where everything stops. Well, no, that's, that's where everything begins. Now, we have to, you have to separate, people have this, you have to separate the, 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 there's, there, you cannot do any works to be saved, right? We're, we're saved by faith, right? We're made righteous by faith. 
Now, I'm righteous, not based on my works. I'm righteous based on Jesus' works. But now that I'm righteous, there are fruits to righteousness. There's works of righteousness. So there's, there's, a, there's a difference between those two understandings. You, you following me? So Paul said here, you know, he, here he's talking to the church. He's talking to born-again believers to the church of Rome and the church of, uh, of Galatia. And he's telling them, my prayer is that you would be, that, that you would, that Christ would be formed in you. So, so the thing is, is I get born again and I'm made righteous, but now Paul's saying he knows that they're righteous because of what Jesus has done, but he still is saying, my prayer is that Christ would be formed in you. That now is not just that, that you have this righteousness, but now you're not just saved, but now you're, you're not just, you have this righteousness, but now you are living out of, and you're becoming more like him. There's this, this, this process of, of transformation that's taking place. There's this becoming not, now I've been made righteous, but now I'm becoming to look more like him. John even says it this way. It says that when I see him, I'll see him as he is because I'll be like him. So in this Christian walk, I'm on this constant pursuit of becoming conformed to the image of the son. As I get into the word, I'm becoming more like him. All right. I'm not, I'm not getting in the word to become more righteous. I'm already righteous, but now I'm being transformed. Like Romans talks about now the word conformed means to be the same form as another. If you are conformed, see, I can, I can form something and I can make something that never existed before. That looks something that you haven't seen before. But when you talk about conformed, Now you're talking about something that's with the form of something else. When you put C-O-N in in front of that word, now you're talking about with form. Now you're talking about with a form of something else. It's not a different form. It's the same form as another. So it's not just that you could be formed until to be formed into the image, but I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. So, so now I know what that form is supposed to be. And that form is to be like Christ. Okay. Now let's go to Romans chapter six. Sometimes I preach, and but sometimes we teach, and so this will be teaching tonight. All right, Romans chapter six. I mean, you usually sit down and, and just read all of Romans chapter six. Um, I try not to read too many scriptures here. But verse 4 says, in the Amplified, it says, We were buried, therefore, with him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. It's the one that we need to be conformed to the image of, correct? We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we, too, might habitually live and behave in the newness of life. Now, the King James says walk in the newness of life. But here in the, in the Amplified, that word walk really means, means behavior. So, so, that, so just as Christ was raised from the dead and he's walking in the spirit, that you and I need to behave in this newness of life. So once I now have been made righteous, Joseph, now it's not just me being made righteous, but now I'm behaving in this newness of life. So now I'm not walking the way I've always walked. Now I'm behaving in this newness of life. Say newness of life. See, when you got born again, you became a new creation, something that never before existed. Right? We're new creations. That's why, that's why in that same verse, it says that we should no longer judge a man after the flesh. I'm not going to judge Shoshana after the flesh any longer. Why? Because she's a new creation. So you don't judge me after my flesh. God's still working on me. Us. Us. (laughs) 
So, so you have to understand there's this newness of life. And, and so, so often people just say, well, hey, I'm born again, whatever it will be. I'm made righteous and therefore I can live any way I want. Well, yeah, you can. Paul said all things are lawful for me, but it, not everything's expedient. Paul said, I can do every, anything I want to do, but the problem is it's not expedient to my life. So, so there's this aspect where, where now we made Jesus the Lord of our life because the very first verse here, I didn't read it. He says, he says, should we continue in sin that grace abound? Paul's like, certainly not. <laughs> I'm not going to continue in sin so I can receive more grace. <laughs> you're, you're missing. No, no. Now that we have this grace and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now out of this, because of this grace. Now I live out of this newness of life. I, I live out of this in, I'm living out of here, not out of here. I'm living out of my spirit man now. I'm, I'm living out of the spirit on the inside of me, not the way I've always been. So we behave in this newness of life. For if we become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also become with him in sharing his resurrection. We know that our old self, unrenewed self, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. Wow. See, that, that, that's, see that's revelation, that, that, that we have to nail that old man to the cross. <laughs> yeah, that old man's been nailed to the cross. We, and, and, and so we, I don't live based on him anymore. I live out of what? The newness of life. For when a man dies, he's freed and he's loose from the power of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again and no, and death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relationship to it once and for all. And the life that he lives, he's living, he's, he's living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Wow. Even so, consider yourself also dead to sin. Wow. So just as death no longer had power over Jesus, what it's saying here is sin should no longer have power over us. Wow. Consider yourself. If you consider something, then that means you need to give permission to it. Consider yourself. So, so this word consider really now puts it in my court, not God's court. This, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't God's responsibility any longer. Consider yourself. So this is my choice. I have to consider myself dead to sin. It, it's not your pastor's job. It's your job. It's your personal job yes. to consider yourself dead to sin and your relation to it broken. So it's not but now. Now, see, that's a lot. It's not just consider yourself dead to sin, but then it says, but alive to God. So it's not just considering myself dead to sin, but now it's also in the same way, considering myself alive to God. It's the same thing when we talk about renewing our mind and casting down imaginations. It's not just casting down imaginations. It's the same time you have to replace it with the word. You have to replace it with something else. So it's not just considering yourself dead to sin, but it's at the same time, I have to see myself that I'm alive in God. I could, yeah, thank you, Father. Just help me, Lord. Verse 12, let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies. So let not, let not. See, this is still a choice, your choice. So I have to consider myself dead, dead to sin. 
And the next thing it says, let not. What are you letting and what are you not letting? See, this is still a choice. It's, it's my choice. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king in your mortal bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. Let's look at verse 13. Do not continuing offering and yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments of wickedness. Don't continuing offering and yielding your bodily members to sin as instruments of wickedness. But, see, there it is. It's telling us what not to do, but at the same time, it's telling us what to do. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you had been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. King James says, neither yield your members as in, neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness, unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What are your, what are your members? It's talking about your hands. It's talking about what you're doing with your hands, where you're walking with your feet. What are you speaking with your mouth? See, it's, it's this, this whole aspect of what we're going over here. We see the words consider yourself. We see let not. We see don't yield. So these, these, are, these are permissions that I'm giving. These are choices that I have to make. Yielding. What am I yielding to? You know, yield. You know, it's a... Yield is to give way to. What are you giving way to? What are you yielding to? And so this is permission. This is, this is, what am I, what am I, what am I? See, this life in the spirit, a life being led by the spirit, a life in the spirit is all going to be dependent on what I'm yielding to. Either my flesh or the spirit. You're going to yield to one or two things. You're either going to yield to the voice of God or the voice of your flesh. You're going to either yield to this word or you're going to yield to someone else's word. So this yielding, it's a choice. Make this statement. The fruit of the spirit... Actually, I'll get, let, me, let me get to verse 18 and verse 19. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness. Wow. Of conformity to the divine will and thought, purpose, and action. Verse 19, I'm speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once and for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing which leads to sanctification. Now, there's a lot I could talk about tonight just in that verse. But here he's saying yielding, yielding to, yielding to, giving yourself to. I'm going to yield to this or I'm going to yield to this. And, and it uses this phrase in 18, it says servants of righteousness. Then in 19 again, it says once, once for all as servants of righteousness. And I was praying over this today and asking the Lord, what, what did you want me to talk about concerning these servants of righteousness? And, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, is you operating as a servant of righteousness. Righteousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Righteousness, 
the works of righteousness is the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, if you, you know, I'm not going to go here and unpack this, but uh, just write down Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 12, 13, 14, and 15. It talks, about, it talks about yielding your body to things, and it talks about the fruits of righteousness. And, I, and, and, and so as the Lord is speaking to me, he's saying, Justin, if you have been made righteous, then you're as righteous as you'll ever be. There's never, there's never another time that you're going to be able to be more righteous than when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, what I have to do as someone that's been made righteous is now I yield to the fruits of righteousness. I have to yield. They're already in me. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life and the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, you already have all the gifts of the Spirit and all the fruit of the Spirit living down on the inside of you. It's a matter of yielding to and growing into and appropriating those things that God has already placed on the inside of you. It's yielding to those things. Thank you, Father. So tonight, I want to, the rest of our time, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit as a Christian is going to take an act of yielding your will to God's will. Salvation is a choice and walking in the fruit of the Spirit is a choice. The fruit of the Spirit that manifests in the life of a believer gives people an opportunity to see the image of Jesus. See, we're to be conformed to the image of the Son. So when I yield to the fruit of the Spirit... I'm giving people an opportunity to have a glimpse of Jesus in my life. As we grow and develop in the fruit of the Spirit, people will see less of us and more of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is about developing the character and the qualities of Jesus. God is looking for a people who will look, walk, talk, think, and act like Jesus in the earth. We have to choose between being carnally minded and spiritually minded. Too often, the church has focused on the gifts of the Spirit, and rarely do we focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Believers often choose the gifts of the Spirit rather than the fruit of the Spirit, but we have to choose, we have to choose both. We need both. One is not more important than the other. The mature, balanced individual or church operates in full capacity in both the fruit. Sorry, the mature and balanced individual will operate in both the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the foundation where the gifts will operate at greater dimensions. And some of you heard me talk about this. You can just write down Exodus chapter 28, verses 32 through 35. And this is where they talk about the high priest garments. And it's where they designed the high priest garments. And, and they designed it and they said, you, you know, when you make this garment, Aaron's garment, that you make on the bottom of it, you make a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell. What was so interesting about that? Because if you just have two bells hitting each other, then you are nothing but a clanging cymbal. And what does Corinthian tells us that if you have all the gifts of the, you have you have all faith and you have all and you operate in all the gifts of the spirit, but you don't have love, what are you? You are sounding. You are a clanging cymbal, right? So here in the same aspect, he, that, that's why the high priest garment, they needed the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And we also, I've, I've communicated this before, is 1 Corinthians 12 deals with gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 deals with fruit. And 1 Corinthians 14 deals with, deals with gifts. So you, what, you have a gift, you have a fruit, and you have a gift. We have to have both of them for the church to operate 
in the full measure of what the church is supposed to accomplish. Hallelujah. So churches have placed a great emphasis on gifts of the Spirit, but in order to mature, there has to be equal emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Before I read this, just bring this to your attention. You know, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 16 when they're going to go anoint David. Well, they don't know it's David yet, but, but the prophet Samuel is going to anoint the next king of Israel. And he goes there and he shows up at, at Jesse's house and, and he said, bring all your, your sons in and, and we're going to anoint the next king. And they bring them all in and he looks at Eliab and, and, and this was in Samuel's thinking. And, and, this is, and this is so often how, how we live and we operate and how the church operates so often. Because, and let me share this. Now, they come in, and, and so even Samuel is looking, and he says, oh, Eliab, this got to be him. He ta- he, he's the tallest one of the group. He looks like a warrior. He, look, he, he looks like a king. And, and, and he said, it's got to be him. <laughs> and God says, no, that's not, that's not him. And he goes, man looks on the outward. But I look on the heart. You, you see, so it's the same thing. The church too often is focused on charisma and not character. That's why you have so many tossed to and fro by, you know, different, different, you know, different things that are happening in, the, in different areas of the body of Christ. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull anything out right now, but, but so many people are, are looking for something they can see. Something that, something that moves them, something that is, is flamboyant, something that is, oh, did you see this happen? Did you see that happening? Did you see those things? And yeah, and, and some of those things could be, could be great things, but the, but what we have to make sure is, is, is are they lasting? Are they long-term and are they really God? And so, so the thing is, is I'm out for, for, I'm out for not something that is, is, is just in a moment, but I want, I want a life, a ministry in a church that is long-term, that is generational. And in the only way for that to happen, it has to have character behind it. It has to have the fruits behind it. I, I remember having a Bible school instructor and, and they're saying, you know, you can, you know, charisma can only get you so far. But after about 15 minutes, you better have, you, you better have some character. <laughs> and I, I've seen, I've seen, you know, that's celebrities on TBN. I've seen them where, hey, they get born again and listen to, let's put them on some pedestal where they're, and the next thing you know, they're, they're, they're back doing other things. And, and, and it's, and, and it's just a detriment. Why? Because the character isn't there to sustain the, 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 the gifts. I remember having, having someone on a worship team years and years and years ago and very talented, very gifted and, and I'm telling you, they would play the piano, just the presence of God would fall. I mean, I'm telling you, just, just, I mean, anointed. And, but what I found out is they were stealing. And so I remember sitting down and sort of say, look, you know, hey, th- gave them a warning and did all the things, I'm, you know, I prayed about it and this is what we're supposed to do and, and, and so forth. And then it happened again. And so I had to call them in and I, and I sat there and I said, look, I want you to take a, I want you to take you know, a three month break and just, just come to services. And I, and I, I looked at him, I said, look, I was like, you're, I'm more interested than you, than your gift. And, and, and I'm telling you, God is more interested in what's going on in our hearts than our gifts. Because the, because if we don't, if we don't have the character, then the gifts will never come to the fullness that they can operate in. And that's why the fruit of the spirit is so important that we're not just focused on gifts, but we're focused on the the character. And when you have both of them come together, you have something explosive. You have someone, a ministry in a church that operates just like Jesus. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 
says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let's look at verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So the fruit of the spirit are nine fruit that enables the believer to walk in a greater level, just like Jesus. To walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance is to walk in the Spirit. See, it tells us, it, it, so he tells us to walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so when you say, well, how do I walk in the Spirit? You yield to love. You yield to joy. You yield to peace. You yield to goodness. Well, I just want to, I just want to walk in the spirit, Pastor Justin. Well, what do you mean by that? I just want to walk in the spirit. Ooh, I'm walking in the spirit right now. Ooh, it's like Scooby-Doo. You know, it's, you know that, never mind. What really happened? And so we can get so super deep about what does it mean to walk in the spirit? He tells us what walking in the spirit is. It's walking in love, walking in joy. And these are things I have to yield to. They're in you. These aren't, these are to say, oh, well, Pastor Justin, oh, just, just pray, pray for me that I get more love. No, you just need to learn to yield to more love. Oh, well, Pastor, pray for me that I get more joy. No, it's already in you. You just have to come to a place where you yield to it. And you probably don't have more joy because you're yielding to the flesh. So really, that's, that's really what it comes down to. It's like, you know, why, well, Pastor, can you pray for me that, that I, I walk in more peace? Well, no, you just need to stop walking in the flesh. Amen, Pastor Justin. I mean, see, we want these things. Well, just, I want someone to do it for me. And we can be so deep about walking in the spirit. But walking in the spirit is just yielding to those things that God has already placed on the inside of you. Yielding to joy. Yielding. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for one another that that, that for peace to come, more for joy to come. That's not that's not what I I want you to get out of what I just said. The point I want you to understand is 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 we can so focused on the flesh and so focus on the natural that it's hard for us to really, really yield to those things that are going to bring the peace, to bring the joy, bring the self-control, bring the pa- patience. Wow. Wow. It's a dirty word. Thank you, Father. So it says, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. 16 said, if I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I'm fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then really it's just a sign. I'm not yielding to the fruit. It's not that deep. It's not that, it's not that difficult. Pastor, I just can't, I just can't stop doing this. God, Pastor, I just can't stop doing that. Hey, just take a moment just to say, I choose to yield to self-control right now. Holy Spirit, you placed the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of me. Help me yield to self-control right now. It's not, it's, it's not that challenging. It's not that difficult. But so often, how many times have we, have you heard, I know Nikki, even when she ministered along these lines, how many times, how many messages have you heard preached on the fruit of the spirit? You were, I mean, yeah, we love messages on prosperity. We love messages on the anointing. We love messages on these things that, that, ooh. get us excited. We love messages that are going to, you know, going to, hey, win in life. But walking in the fruit of the Spirit? I'm just, Gloria Copeland has one of the most amazing series 
on the fruit of the Spirit. Go to KCM.org. Look it up. I mean, amazing teachings on the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. We've had three weeks to do this message tonight. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Thank you, Father. Now, love, joy, and peace. Now, just as I believe, you know, just as the gifts of the Spirit had three Categories. I, I believe that in, in my just study, my praying over this tonight, I believe that they have the fruit of the spirit has three categories: love, joy, and peace. These d- deal directly with God, and they can only come through a relationship with God. Love, joy, and peace. These deal directly with God and can only come with a relationship with God. You, you can never operate, you know, you may not be able to operate in brotherly love, but you'll never be able to operate in the God kind of love without God. Now, it's the same thing with joy. You, joy is a force that comes from God. Now, you may, know, you may know earthly happiness, natural happiness, but you'll never know the force of joy apart from your relationship with God. And it's the same thing with peace. Now, you may know what tranquility is and the natural and calm is, but you'll never know the force of peace apart from God. Does that make sense? I believe long-suffering, which we can translate that to patience, patience, kindness, and goodness, this category always deals with our interaction with other people. And then the third one, faithfulness, gentleness, which I'll classify as also as meekness and self-control. These are inward qualities. Now, they'll function all in different ways, but just trying to just put in those three in different categories. Let's go to John chapter 15. Could stay longer in Galatians 5, but I need to pick up the speed. Galatians 15. <clears throat> Get, get to John, sorry, John 15. I could stay longer in John, in Galatians 5. I'm going to say it again. Thank you. See, sometimes you've got to help the preacher preach, teacher teach, right? Why do we need to have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit flowing in our lives? I can, I can lay out a number of things, but it, it comes down to this one thought. To glorify our Heavenly Father. The bottom line is not to promote ourselves. It's not for our own, own success. It's not for people to see us, look at us, to follow us. Bottom line, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are for us to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Jesus said this in John 17. He said, I glorified you down on the earth. That's what Jesus said, John 17, verse 4. I glorified you, Heavenly Father, on earth by finishing everything you told me to do. To glorify fruit, fruit, glorifies the Father. Let's look at this in John chapter 15, verse verse 4, for the sake of time. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and he that abide in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So if we abide in him, we bring forth what? More fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men 
gather them and cast them into fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you shall and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So my father is glorified when we bear much fruit. The father gets glory when we bear much fruit. Thank you, Father. So shall you be my disciples. So what is he saying? You'll be my disciples. So without doing a whole teaching on this, you know, that, that a disciple will be like the teacher. Right? So if we want to glorify our Father, just like Jesus did, then the whole thing is we need to bear fruit. All right. Thank you, Father. Now, now listen to this statement. We need to stop having a basket mentality and start having a vine mentality. Because he tells us to abide in the vine. And when we abide in the vine, we will bear much fruit. Right? But too often we settle for having a basket mentality instead of having a vine mentality. What do I mean by that? A basket mentality means I never have enough. You can only fit so much in a basket. If I have a basket and I fill it with something, I can only hand out so much out of that basket. I'm limited. We limit ourselves by by what we can do. We limit ourselves by how we see ourselves. We limit ourselves by, by our past mistakes or our past failures. But when you have, and that's basket, meaning, meaning I can only give you what I have out of my basket, Vic. It's the same thing. You can only give other people what you have out of your basket. But when I abide in the vine, there's no limitation to that vine. When I'm living and I'm abiding in the vine, I'm all of a sudden now living without limitation. Where if I just have a basket, I have limitations. Basket mentality means never having enough. A limited supply, always coming up short. And if I have a basket mentality, then I always have to return to a source instead of staying at the source. A basket mentality is... I come to church on Sunday and I get a little bit of love. I get a little bit of patience. I get a little bit of joy. But a vine mentality is, is I always have what I need when I need it. A vine mentality is if you abide in the vine, you will bear much fruit. You'll never come up short. You'll be connected to a, a, to a continual supply. As long as you keep looking at the basket... You always be limited by the size of the basket you have. So how do we grow? How do we cultivate and grow in the fruits of the spirit by abiding in the vine? When you abide in the vine, you will bring forth much fruit. Fruit has to be cultivated. So we abide in the vine. What is the vine? His word. It's his word. His word. His presence, time with Him, praying in the Holy Spirit. Those are things that will cultivate these fruit. Now let me talk about each one real quickly. Love. Like I said, it, each one of these could be a, 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 ser- a sermon in itself. Love. Yielding to love because it's the foundation of the godly life. It's what our life has to be built upon. Love. It's who God is. It's not what he has. It's who he is. Love. Joy. A joy, joy is a force that comes from God that causes strength to overcome. Kenneth Hagin says this. It's what gets your faith airborne. Peace. It's a force, a power that causes you not to be moved in difficult circumstances. It's an internal force that comes from God 
that brings about external changes. Meaning, meaning you, be, you can be going through the most difficult, challenging situations. And people are all wor- wondering, why aren't you so, so, so anxious? Why? Because you have peace. You have the fruit of peace. Patience. Patience is a quality that does not surrender to circumstance or, or to succumb under trial. Gentleness. And I'm going to use this again in just a minute. The word gentleness, and this is a definition I wrote down. Perfect power in perfect control. And gentleness is never... Biblical gentleness is not associated with weakness. David said this. He goes, it, it, he goes, it was because my gentleness made me great. Gentleness. It says, it's my gentleness that made me great. But that didn't mean that David was weak. It meant he had perfect power and perfect control. Goodness. Goodness is a heart to give yourself to others, put others first, to be an example in character and conduct. Faith or faithfulness. This is having a, a, a force on the inside of you that causes you to be trustworthy, loyal, and reliable. Meaning you don't, the fruit of, the fruit, the fruit of, of faithfulness is not something that you have to think about. Well, should I be faithful? No, it's just no. You, you know, th- this, is, this is what you do. Faithfulness. And then meekness. This is the state of being totally dependent upon God. Jesus described himself as meek and lowly of heart. He said, take and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart. That didn't mean Jesus was weak. The statement that Jesus made wasn't a statement of weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Just like gentleness is not weakness. Great meekness brings great power. Just like gentleness, meekness is perfect power and perfect control. Meekness is a condition of the spirit. Meekness and gentleness are similar in many respects, but in this one thing, they're different. Meekness is an inward ability where gentleness is an outward outward ability towards people. Meekness is an inward control where gentleness is perfect power and perfect control on the outside. And the last one, Self-control, temperance, it's self-restraint. It's to have inward strength to stand and resist and to say no. So the fruit of the Spirit, these are things that we're to yield to. You know, tonight it's impossible for me to unpack every single one of these tonight. But my heart tonight, and as your pastor in this teaching tonight, is for us to come to a place where we yield to love. We yield to joy, we yield to peace, to patience, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness and self-control. By following the call to have both the gifts, by, 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 yielding, by following the call to yield to both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, the church will experience greater unity, greater maturity, greater stability, and greater demonstrations and manifestations of the power of God. Let me say that again. By following the call to yield to both gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, the church will experience Greater unity, greater maturity, greater stability, and greater demonstrations and manifestations of the power of God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you for the challenge that it brings. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. And we thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we, Holy Spirit, I thank you for...
causing us to grow, yield to these fruit. Where we could look more like Jesus. Lord, that help us not to be a church or individuals where the world looks at us and uses the, uses the words, there go those hypocrites. Help that never to be said of us, Father. But help us to yield to these fruits and these gifts so people can look at us and say, oh, these are a people. Just like they said in Acts chapter 4. These are are people, they're just like Jesus. We can tell that they've been with Jesus. Thank you for just cultivating. As we abide in the vine, Father. As we abide in the word, Father. Cultivate in us this this fruit on, on the vines of our life. This fruit of love. These fruit, this, that we just don't have a limitation of love, but we have, we have a reserve of love. We have a reserve. We, we don't operate in, in just, just in shortage, but we operate in surplus. We have a surplus of love on the inside of us. There's a surplus of joy on the inside of us. There's a surplus of peace on the inside of us. There's a surplus of patience, of of kindness, of goodness, of gentleness, of meekness, of faithfulness, of self-control. There's a reservoir, hallelujah, of all these things, these character qualities of who you are, Father. Because these are qualities and characteristics of you, Lord. So help us not lack in any of these fruit. But we choose tonight to abide in the vine. We choose to yield to these fruits of righteousness. Your way of doing and being right. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive this word tonight? Hallelujah. No, it's not a jump and shout message, but but I believe I believe the word is needful. I believe these the word is needful. To hear it maybe a way you've never heard it before. Amen. To grow, to grow. Because the Father, our our heart, He wants to be glorified. Much fruit. He gets glory with much fruit. Amen? Thank you, Father.